attention, please. All band students are to report to the bus loop at this time. It's supposed to be named Blake. I'm out. It's like the mafia. It truly is. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm sad. I don't know how to feel for you, Alan, uh, but I feel for you, man. I'm Hello, and welcome to The Art of Teaching. I'm your host, Pete Anderson. And this is the podcast in which I speak with educators about the qualities that make for good teaching. Makes no difference if sweet hot. Just keep that rhythm everything you got. Today's episode is a continuation of my conversation with 32-year veteran band director Alan Hall. We're back with Alan Hall, band director for how many years? 32. 32. It's a solid number. Maybe 33. That's a story I have to tell you later. It oh, Lord. <laughs> may be possible that I am uh, going to be, be gigging. Here's a serious question, if you will. Will you? I will. Okay, good. <clears throat> Here's a, a saying everyone's heard. Those who can't teach. Now, I just want to throw that out before I have more to this, but just that saying. How do you feel about that saying? I think it's missing part. I think it's half a saying, mm. because some of the some of the best teachers I've ever seen weren't great players, but they struggled with their playing to such a degree that they learned how to become better players, even if they never reached the peak that other people do. And because they learned how to do something well, they also were able to teach others how to do it well. So I think the struggles of going from zero to seventy, as opposed to being gifted. And starting at 50 and going to 100, I think sometimes you make a better teacher. And I'm with you on that. I, I know many of a, a person who's gone through the struggles. It's almost, and I don't think this should be a rule, but it's almost you should have failed a class before you try to teach. To know what it's like to, I mean, really fail at school and how to get over that hump and have that struggle. Because... I feel like the job is so much about getting kids over the hump, not about being great at something. And I made a good run at it. I, uh, I came up with a D in college, and my parents quickly informed me that um, they weren't having that at all. So I, I, But it actually turned out to be the only class in my major that I could get a D in and not have to repeat. Mm. So it was kind of funny. Um, it was really strange, and it was the reason you want, you want the story? Go ahead. I walked in, I was a young musician, full of all the things, including vinegar that you are, and <laughs> I had the dean of the of the uh, music department was my teacher, and the first thing he did was put on a record of Blood, Sweat, and Tears playing Spinning Wheel, and he played about 45 seconds of it, and then proceeded to spend the rest of the class to talk about how bad it was, how disappointed he was in a live performance and how none of that is real musicianship and that what he's here to do and what we should be here to do is be real musicians. So from the very first minute, he turned me off badly on his class. And I, and I did not go. I, I showed up just enough to pass it. Um, but I, and I certainly didn't agree with him because there's so many great musicians out there who have made memorable music and it doesn't always fit the Beethoven filter or the Mozart filter. But that was a, in so many ways, that defined what kind of teacher I wanted to be in that moment. I think about that a lot. A defining moment. A defining moment. 
Oh. Let me look up. I'll define that moment. Let me look it up real quick. <laughs> Can you put that moment in a sentence, please? A defining moment as to why you wanted to teach. Hmm. As to, and how I wanted to teach. How I Ooh, wanted kids how you to, wanted to teach. You know, I've been to, I mentioned Jay Sykes. He's, he's kind of a pivotal character in my play as well. Hmm. But I went and heard his band play several times. He was in a rock band, and he loved it. And I heard him at the beach. I heard him in Richmond. And, you know, it was, it was rock. It was some of the coolest parts of the music experience exaggerated to almost to really fun effect. I think, I think rock has always been a viable art form. Now it's, does it have the complexity of a Mozart sonata? Not necessarily, but the Ramones still lay down some pretty cool funky, funky poetry put to music. Do you think there's a subject that you it's like, I hate it, I don't want to hear anything about it. Don't talk to me about it because I so despise it. Or do you find interest in pretty much everything? I find interest in almost everything. I, I do turn the news off, especially lately. Uh, okay. I, I find, <laughs> not to get too far Fair. into that because we said we we're going to be nice. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I find it to be divisive and almost... Academically. Cool. Academically. I find it... Oh, academically. Um, no, I, I find... Actually, sitting into other people's classes, I always found interesting. I would, I, I'm a bit of a science geek too. I, I, I've always loved the sciences. And like I said, I almost became a biology major if, I, if she'd only have gone out with me. <laughs> um, but I, I really enjoy, I've been watching with great fascination how they're flying on Mars. I think that's, oh I think my, that's yes. such an integral step to what's happening next. And I do, I didn't think we were going to make it to Mars before my generation's gone. But mm. I, I've almost changed my mind about that now. I think we might make it up there. Um, I do think uh, Mr. Musk is correct. I think uh, some people may not survive the trip, and I don't know that people have a stomach for that. But I think people, we didn't go to the far reaches of this planet without losing humans. You oh know, I think uh, not to get too deep. You said right. you wanted to be serious, but right? academically, so. it's fascinating what's required to do that thing. It is fascinating, and you know, and when maybe as a kid or even you know young 20s is like people turn things off i don't want to know about this i just want to focus and and perhaps and i'm going to get back to my original thought about if you those who can't teach but uh i i is it and uh all right I'm, i'll just say it if i were to hire a teacher i would want that teacher to be someone curious about everything academically and I'm just curious how you feel about this. And feel free to disagree. Uh, because then you can find interest in everyone. And that's part of the gig. Finding that interest in everyone. Because everyone has different interests. And if you find everything interesting, then you find everyone interesting. Then you can approach them. Fair to say? For teachers as a qualification? Fair to say. And almost, again, a requirement. You're, I'm sitting in class and I know it's February. And I know that the grammar part of the SOLs is coming up. I add parts into my band class that have to do with, with English and grammar. And I've done the same thing with math. I've done the same thing with science. I know when geometry is going to step into certain parts of the curriculum. And I always made it a point to mention how we use the Pythagorean theorem to line the football field. 
for our practice field. So I started to insert other curriculum into my own because I think, and I've said this for years, I think curriculum is too compartmentalized. I think we, get, we don't teach here, a bell rings and we go somewhere else. That's not the way we learn in life. That's not the way we operate in life. You, it's ergonomic, everything fits together. We're, we're doing, you and I are doing communications. We're also doing humor. We're doing theater of some sort, even though it's probably, a, this is probably the worst one act play anybody's ever heard. But we're-, we're but all the world's a stage. Yeah. All the world is. That quote is To go back to the original thought of uh, those who can't teach, I have a thought past that, and I'm curious what, what you think about this. Let me see how I wrote it down here. Uh, those who don't try shouldn't teach. I like that. Now, consider as in your field of music, those, and I would, I would phrase this specifically, those who haven't tried to be a musician shouldn't teach music now is that a fair thing to say i think if you if a requirement of any subject is that you should try i think that's healthy i think where i've been having problems with some of the standardized testing and the rest of it is that we're requiring a certain level of success to go on. And I always bring up the Louis Armstrong equation. Louis Armstrong could not add. He couldn't write, but he could. He was one of the most gifted trumpet players this planet has ever seen, and we'll, we'll remember him forever. But if he, would had, if he would have had to have gone through SOLs today, they would have taken him out of band class. They would have set him in there until he could learn how to mediocre read and write and add. Meanwhile, he became so famous, he hired people to do that for him. Really? So I've, I always I, go I don't back remember to, that. In a... Well, I'm making that part up, but it makes my story better. So there's the theater part I was referring to earlier. But it's it's true. You you have to try. But I think I think we set unreasonable expectations of minimum standards of levels of success because we're mm. saying everybody's the same. That all these kids need to reach seventy percent of seventy percent or whatever it is. Mm. And I think that's foolhardy because that kid might have a tremendous single skill that needs to be developed. They might be a Bill Gates. And, you know, how would he have survived what we do currently? Mm. I'm, I'm not a mathematician, but I've tried. I know, I, I know what it's like to fail at trying to come up with something originally mathematical or, you know, try to prove this idea. Come up with an idea, then try to prove it, and then not, not being able to do it. And I think that's where I'm going in, in terms of that is, is, is just that alone. You know, whatever subject you're in, and I can't imagine what it's like to be a science teacher. Are, do you have a like a shed and you blow things up just for fun to learn science on your own? Not that you'll be a scientist, but you want to try to know what it's like to think that way. And uh, and you've composed. You composed our fight song. Is that correct? Did yeah. I say that right? Yeah, it's it's. So you know what it's like to write music. You've never like I'm not going to write any music. I'll just teach kids how to play. You've gone down that road and successfully, I'll say. Well, you think about a um, someone who's a bad scientist is probably a good carpenter because they mm. got to rebuild that shit. <laughs> yes. 
I remember you telling me you were working on an original math idea, and, oh, yeah. you, and you had worked on it, worked on it, and then ultimately, I think you figured out that what you, what you had discovered, somebody had already discovered it. Mm. But I always thought it was, it was cool to know that you came up with it because you didn't have any knowledge of the other research and what he had done, but you came up with it independently of that material. Well, it's that thrill. It, it's the creative yeah. moment of oh my god, and and you think this is the most the greatest thing ever and to you at that moment it is it is and to compose and to have that little little thought of melody which i've tried to compose and you know it no it's not good but at the moment it's the best thing ever it's like oh my gosh this blues tune is killing and then you go back and go, eh, <laughs> maybe not. And I'll set it aside. But in the moment, it was it was amazing. But it's the trying, and that's my point. Is I I, I want to say if I could go in there and just change education with that magic wand of teachers need to try. Of course, they need time to try. Of course, that that would be summer, I guess, or whenever. And it really shouldn't be summer. It's all the time. We all need to try and fail. And I think great teachers are great when they fail. Uh, to go back to the original point is it's not always being great at it. It's knowing how to just persevere and, and push whether you succeed or not isn't always the issue. I happen to bring my soapbox with me. Do you mind if I stand up on it for a second? Oh, yeah, because I can barely see you over that microphone. All right. Well, I'm going to get up on it. Hold on a second. All right. I'm, I'm here now. I'm good. Um, and this is the problem with the soapbox is sometimes you stand up on it and you forget why you got here. Because in the process of telling that funny, and I've done that in class before, completely lost train of thought of what I was going after. Oh, here was my point. Um, I've been lobbying for my entire career for a four-day school week. And the reason is not to have a fifth day off, but I think the kids and the teachers, we're doing asymmetrical learning, I keep calling it. Um, We've been doing that for a while. uh, It's really really lopsided, but, um, but asynchronous learning on Wednesdays. And I think it's kind of brilliant because it gives students and teachers a day to be introspective and to cross train and to think i mean to to load us with 50 to 60 hours worth of training but not give us time in our work week to do it to expect to do it on the weekends when you're supposed to be with your kids and family mm-hmm. i think that's t- i think that's one of the things that's difficult about education is we've asked more and more and more from teachers but i'm four day work week I think that gives you a day to breathe and a day to think and learn. And that's basically what professors do at college level. They're not teaching those schedule we, that we teach. I, I agree. I can imagine if it became, and I'm just guessing, but, you know, hey, I have the microphone. So this is what will happen. <laughs> Somebody will want to box that fifth day in and turn it into something so sad <laughs> that you must you know, write and, you know, discuss what you did in the certain ways and criteria to verify that you thought and enjoyed and lived, that it would just ruin it. And that's a classic moment in education to take a great idea that we could like allow freedom and creativity and thought and then box it in until it dies. It's measurability. If it does, isn't measurable, it is, doesn't exist and it isn't valued. And some things, some things are not quantumly measurable. You know, but how much of learning has become, I was writing A, B, C, D, E. How much of learning has become something that can fit in neatly into a standardized testing box, but that's not how people learn and that's not how we function as humans. Mm. It's an easy way to assess, but is that, is that what we really want to go after, the easiest way to assess a situation? Something more complex might re- result in a better yield. Mm. That minor scale you wrote down, I agree with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's affected music. It's 
performance is a, is a tremendously powerful tool for learning, but often the measurements of students are a theory test mm -hmm. or a fingering test or a test on scales. So my exam at the end of the year, typically to fit the parameters of what an exam looks like to anybody who wants to look at it, was not performance-based. But yet, I was able, as I became an, a seasoned educator, I changed it to make it more performance-based because that's more accurate to what we do. Mm. Um, I just didn't tell anybody that's what I was doing. So. proper nouns here the name of the person or the name of the book but I recall I'm not sure how many superintendents ago a book came out it was about you know how data was going to change the world and everybody needs to read this book and literally I think made all the admins in the world of our county read that book yeah and that's when I felt like it got nasty when everything was so data driven that we we don't do it if it's not filled with data uh, but to take the other side of it, there's got to be some good data out there. How about you? Is there any good data that helps you as a band director be a better band director? Or do you need quantitative information? It's funny you should ask that question. In insert my, joke here. There, insert joke here. <laughs> it, in my new job that I, that I am enjoying doing, I miss teaching. I really do tremendously. I miss the kids. I miss my colleagues. But in my new job, part of what we're doing now is we're cobbling together some grants and some resources to purchase access to data. So what's supposed to happen is DOE has data, but they don't have the means to compile it or sort it and process it so that it's useful to us. But we can gain access to it through a third party. So we've got a company working on this data drop, and then they're going to sort all this. So what it's going to tell us is how many students in my school are in band? And of that, how many are below the poverty line? And how many, um, you know, is there other, is there an, an economic factor that keeps people from joining? Um, the chorus out in Alta Vista, Virginia, you know, is that, could they use the data that's at their disposal to figure out how to recruit better? Is there a scheduling issue that's going on that we just can't see that this data might tell us? Hmm. Is there a situation culturally where uh, a family may not want their student participating in music for some reason, and is there a way to break that culture barrier down? So you can get more equity. So it, for us, it's about equity, inclusion, and access is the data we're looking for right now because that's been a critical piece of music sometimes, is people say it's kind of an elite activity. And I never saw it that way, but when you look at some of the data, it's interesting to see. So I think, I think the data doesn't help the minute in the classroom, but I think the data helps with long range. Ooh, data. Puberty. I think the data helps with long-range planning, and I think it helps for us to be better at educating an entire child and an entire group of children so nobody falls through the cracks. Fascinating. An elite activity. I, when I heard that, I thought that was really strange because I never felt elite. In fact, I sometimes wow. didn't feel elite at all. <laughs> it, uh, 
I, I mentioned a magic wand, and boy, I wish I had one. But if I could wave it, in terms of the arts, uh, you know, it, when you when you think about how all students will and requirements to get through your school day, it used to be um, all students will, will will exercise. Now that was the intent. What it became was a little bit different. All students will take PE. Does that mean exercise? And well, there's online PE, and we'll just do it in the summer, and they don't have to do it during the school years. But well, what about the daily exercise? We lost sight of the goal of we all need to exercise. That's just human, you know, our bodies. We need that. And then uh, you look at an, another aspect of the human condition, and uh, all kids will do arts and crafts and of course they will and then it stops I don't get it why did that requirement of kids needing the ability to, to do arts and crafts and express and make and create stop at some point in I guess middle school when we instead I don't know why and I'm just a, sounds like a softball question for a band director why not every kid is required in some way to do something related to arts every day. For every day of their school career, I'm gonna guess you agree with me, but it'd be interesting if you didn't agree with me. Well, I think it's, I think we all, everybody gets divergent as they get older and as they go through programs. Like a student starts in their, and everybody does music, everybody does art. And then eventually, I always tell the kids, somebody along the way told you that you were not good at art, and you stopped taking it. What if you hadn't been told you weren't good at art? Because everybody has art and some kind of innate ability to make art, but at some point somebody looked at it and went, ugh, and then they decided they couldn't. But if you ask a kindergarten kid, can you, can you paint? They'll say, oh, I'm great. I'm a great painter. I can sing too and I can dance. You want to see me dance? But somewhere we <laughs> beat do that all out. at the same time. All at the same time. And I just wish you'd just sit down right now. And, and, and <laughs> take your medicine. Um, but, but that's the thing. At some point we take, we take the kid out. We, we tell them that they're not good enough to meet that standard. And that's, that's I think, is we do ourselves in with that. We want to have high standards for performance and for music execution and for um, art. But we don't want to exclude everybody from doing it. Picasso, he could walk down your street. Girls could not resist the stare and so Pablo Picasso was never called. And earlier, as I mentioned, we, it, it was too early to say you shouldn't take music or you shouldn't pursue music. That's the wrong age to drop that on them. Every age is the wrong age to say you shouldn't <laughs> Even adults. Right. We change. Um, I don't know if you ever heard the story. There was a, a, a guy who, who was 72, retired from his job. He started learning violin at age 72. And, you know, all the studies say, well, if you don't start here, it's like a language you can never learn. He studied for nine years and he joined a, a symphony orchestra. He was in the, like the back of the second violins, but he's, he did it. His goal was to make a group. He did it for a few years. He said he loved every minute of it, and then he put it away because he was like in his 90s. <laughs> but, uh, wow. But, uh, so there's no, a, a buddy of mine and I, he's a, he was the course teacher at Tucker for years, and we used to go back and forth because I said, everybody can do everything. And he said, that's not true. I can't be a concert pianist. And I said, if you, if you devote yourself fully to it right now, he said, 
I can't do it. And I said, well, you can't do it because you have a family and you have a job and you're doing this and this and this. But if you set your mind to it, you could do it. Mm. And, you know, he, we still disagree. So, But even at the level of you just need to get out and take a walk because it's good for your body. You just need to hit on the piano for a while because it's good for your soul. And you'll never be the concert pianist. You don't need to be the concert pianist. But, boy, you'd really need to just maybe hit some keys on the piano because, wow, it feels good. And I, I want that to be the, the school day, that every kid did something like that just to make them feel different. Maybe not even good, just to feel different, just to feel. <laughs> you up for an experiment? Uh-oh. I'm going to start something. I want you to jump in. All right. I changed my rhythm when you started yours because it, something you were oh. doing compelled me to change. Ah, and I did not want to do your rhythm on purpose. Right. So we we were you you start communicating. Do, uh, do you feel a little better doing that? Uh, oh yeah. Didn't Every I, time I make music, that. I feel better, and I watch the kids feel better. Copyrights. That's, that's ours. That's ours right there. <laughs> but that's what's been so tough. And I, I know we weren't going to talk about it, but that's what's been so tough about this last year plus mm, mm. is that kids who gain that self worth and self feeling have not been able to have that been tough it's been really difficult for teachers and kids and i see it all the time thanks for playing with me <laughs> you know the power of a drum circle is amazing and and i think that's that's kind of the point i'm, I'm trying to make and it didn't have to be drums it's the whatever arts circle you know it just cutouts and glue into paper i don't care what it is it's that moment of just that human emotion of expressing through the arts that is not required. I don't get that. You know, we can require math for four years, and if, if we say it's not required, it's so pushed. Oh, you won't get to college if you... You have an extra period, take another math. Yeah. You know, oh, never mind, Van, you already took that no. last year. You no, know? or, or PE, though. You know, we downplay physical education or just being physical so much. We've pushed this. You can take PE online and get it out of the way. Oh, never mind that you're out of shape and you have high blood pressure and you have you know these physical issues. We should just take a walk every day. <laughs> we don't need to even call it a class. We should just all get out and walk around the circle, for you know walk around the track and come back and then keep going because that was the real need. Can I like, be political for a second? Oh yes. So because the schedule is so tight, it pits music and art and CTE and PE against each other. So while we could be using resources that four of those subject areas have, so many times those four subject areas spend all their time advocating and lobbying for more time because they're afraid the other group's going to take their time. How much better would it be if there was room for all of that in the schedule, if kids could take something in all those subject areas? This can't be new. No, this is, there's nothing new. I'm not that bright. This is a... <laughs> This is just thoughts I've had over the years, but I. But you know, there's when you're battling somebody else, both your energies are going towards something that's not productive. Mm. You know, what would happen if all four of the groups I just mentioned 
could somehow lock together and, and move as a group and, and put all that energy into something different. But Amen, brother. right now the table is, is a different playing field than it used to be. Now, as the teacher in the room, you struggle with that, do I let them, quote, fail, which is not really failure. There's no failure here. I mean, kids are trying, that's success. Or do you guide and give them a little something? And I know in college, you learn about all these scales and things, and they tell you, do this, do that, this is the scale, learn it, learn all keys, blah, blah, blah. But to not know and just figure it out, what a moment. What's your feeling about guidance in that moment of learning music, especially in jazz band? I think just like accidentally discovering the blues scale, which I've done that over and over in my life where I, I take the path that seems right to me and then realize later on it was the correct one because that's the way you do it. You know, you, you find that moment where you hit that. I have given advice, but it's very minimal. One of them is, I always quote um, Wynton Marcellus who said, there are no wrong notes, there are just better and worse choices. Which I, and I said, it's okay to repeat notes and it's okay to leave space between your notes. I think that's the entirety of soloing that I ever told a kid. You've been listening to The Art of Teaching. I'm Pete Anderson. Thanks for listening, but it's time to move on to your next class. Way to pull it back. That's why you made it 30 years. That's why I made it 30 years.